Hi, and welcome to my podcast, On The Grow. I'm Grace Lee. We're kicking off a new series here on the podcast called Walk & Talk Series. If you're new here, I launch my podcast episodes in different seasons that focus on a certain topic. For this season, I was inspired by the amount of topics that pop into my head while I'm walking around the city. The shower might be the number one best spot for ideas, but walking has been making its way to spot number two. So, hence the series name. So this is how it works. You, as a listener, ask me a question or say a topic, and we're going to talk about it, dive deeper into the subject, etc. And hopefully, you're listening to this talk while walking outdoors, enjoying the sun, warmer weather, if it's summer, wherever you are in the world. You can submit your topic on my IG stories or by shooting me a DM on Instagram, at ByGraceLee. In this episode called How to Turn Your Imperfections into Impact, Revisiting the Darkest Period of My Life, I take another trip down memory lane and revisit a dark and miserable time in my life where I secretly battled something I considered a flaw, an imperfection. For eight years, on and off, I struggled to find purpose in who I was, refused to nourish my body with the proper nutrition, and navigated a twisted and disordered mindset that took years to shift. Eventually, I learned to overcome my insecurities and imperfections that were getting in the way of my growth and turn it into something that would leave an impact instead. Before I dive into today's podcast episode, let's start with the life recap first, because it's been a while. During this hiatus since the last podcast series, here's what I've been up to. I texted my mom the other day with a mom, I'm so happy with my life right now message. And I say that not because I'm not normally happy with my life, but this past month has truly felt different. That same kind of feeling when someone makes you feel all warm and fuzzy, or someone goes out of their way to do something nice for you, and your heart feels touched. It's that kind of unexplainable feeling that I've been experiencing lately, and a lot of it has to do with the people I've been surrounding myself with. I will say, I've never been that person who had a friend group growing up, but always questioned God why I never did. I would always wonder why I just connected better with individuals one-on-one, and that was that. I'd go through phases where I'd get frustrated to just content with how it always was. Year after year, I started to realize that my idea of a friend group was just a surface-level portrayal of friendship that I'd see in so many people. It wasn't so much a friend group that I needed, but like-minded individuals from different industries and backgrounds who would ultimately be my people. And ever since I started saying no to the people who don't spark that growth mentality and curiosity to learn, I started to notice a shift in my mood and well-being. I just recently got brunch with a couple that Bobby and I both love to be around, Dave and Nat, two like-minded individuals who 
truly inspire you, support you, and want to grow alongside you. They've been one of our favorite couples to hang out with because we all seem to be navigating the same types of situations in our current seasons of life. That entire brunch, we found ourselves so immersed with wanting to better ourselves and sharing the parallels of our career, we didn't notice how fast the time went by. And that's just it. I've been noticing that when I spend time around these types of people, I'm so engaged with wanting to continue being surrounded by them. The time just instantly goes by. Have you ever experienced conversations like that? It's truly the best. I used to hang around people who never made me feel that way. In fact, I always felt drained to the point where I would be checking my phone for the time because the conversation wasn't serving me anymore. And sometimes, when we're in these situations, we try to defend those people because we care about them and we want to keep helping them. But little do we realize just how much it emotionally and mentally depletes us from moving forward. And then we ask ourselves why we feel this way. It took me too many of those instances to fully understand that and take action. It was the 4th of July last week, and my family came up briefly to visit from North Carolina. Everyone except Rebecca, my older sister. We made the most out of the studio apartment and enjoyed all the delicious bakeries and foods we could within those 24 hours. Like I said, very brief trip. And in other news, besides spending quality time with quality people, I've been back in the reading game something I started drifting from the past couple of months. We invited Bobby's brother and his girlfriend to church this past weekend, and after a nice little brunch with them, we stopped by the Strand on the Upper West Side. Those of you who aren't familiar with New York, the Strand is a really cool bookstore, and there's several ones throughout the city. You know, I forgot how much I did miss reading a physical book, and picked up something before we left. Bobby has me reading a business book by Gary Vee called 12 and a Half, Leveraging the Emotional Ingredients Necessary for Business Success. So far, I'm really enjoying it and already learning so much. I told him a long time ago that something I was really struggling with, with running a business, was the business mindset slash portion of owning a business. I truly never had an interest in business. It was always the creative side that I enjoyed learning and growing in. But like every business, there's challenges that come with the job. I can't say that I'm fully there with learning the ins and outs of what it means to be a business owner, but I've definitely improved since I first started learning. And last little update, I'm already week five into marathon training, and as of right now, it just feels like time is moving too fast. Last year, when I was training for the Chicago Marathon, which was just about the same time frame as this Columbus Marathon, time felt like it was moving too slow. I was just so eager to jump into the miles, 
but I can't believe it's already been one month already. Every day, I have a different set of workouts, recovery runs, speed runs, strength training, and every time I put in the work and the miles, I keep visualizing race day. I visualize a stronger, physically and mentally stronger version of myself, and it excites me even more. Honestly, how much longer do you think one can keep visualizing the day of the marathon on a daily basis? Asking for a friend, of course. It's been a fun training journey so far, especially because I'm helping my sister run her first marathon too. And I have her on board with the curiosity to keep learning and improving as a runner. It continues to strengthen our sisterly bond as we keep motivating and supporting each other week by week. Given, her career makes it a little tough to navigate, and I know she's doing her best, so... I just make sure I'm there to support her through the challenging lifestyle. Running a marathon was something we both used to joke about that we'd, quote, one day cross it off our bucket list. Never say never, right? And without further ado, let's get into the episode. There comes a time in our life when things don't pan out the way we want them to. And maybe it's more than just one season in life. But when you're immersed in that season, you resort to other methods, other ways to get to another place that isn't where you currently are. And maybe those methods aren't necessarily, quote, healthy. But when you're in that mindset of doing whatever it takes, you don't think of the consequences that comes with taking that path. And that's just the mindset I was in one particular season of my life, a dark one, one that I used to be triggered to revisit. But over the years, revisiting it has helped me understand how I was able to break through a dark period in my life, and more importantly, how I turned that imperfection into impact. I've mentioned before on this podcast in a few episodes on my disordered eating history, It stemmed from high school after a guy told me I was fat in front of a lot of people. It was supposed to be a, quote, joke, but that comment stuck with me. And it wasn't so much me thinking I was fat in general, but it made me question if that was the reason why guys didn't like me. Yeah, that was my mindset in high school. Or another one, why I felt invisible all the time. I couldn't solve why I felt so alone living in this bubble, and things just naturally got clearer to me the more I started controlling what I looked like by what I put into my mouth. One of the scary things about seeing results is that once you see it, you don't want to stop. You start wanting to turn it up a notch, push even harder, because it's just the numbers game. Once you reach a certain number on a scale, a following, you have this obsession, this desire to keep the numbers even lower or higher if it's a following. I used to get like that with followers back in the old Instagram days where people obsessively fixated on the follower account. I remember hitting a certain number and just wanting to keep going. 
There was never a number that made me feel truly satisfied. I always dared myself to reach the next one and the next one. You get the idea. You almost feel smitten at the idea that you have the power to move it with your discipline and no one else can do it like you. And that thought alone gives you so much power, so much drive to know that you're the only one who can mentally train yourself to shrink down in size at the power of your own hand. It was like playing God. I didn't think of it like that then, but that's really what I wanted. Control. If I couldn't control who liked me, fine. I could control what I ate, what I looked like, and what I could look like if I kept going. That's the scary thing about being a perfectionist. You're deceived by what you see around you. It's never enough for you. You know you can push the limits because you know you. And so that's when that journey began. And it never stopped. It actually got worse when I went to college because then my parents couldn't see me every night. The meals were up to me. I could get away with a lot of things in college. I noticed I was being very sneaky around my friends and roommates. I was getting exhausted physically and mentally from a lack of nutrition. But instead of doing something about that, I kept spending my energy finding ways to get around eating in front of friends and people. I'd plan out ideas. I'd craft up something clever so that no one would suspect anything. I could always say I was working on getting more fit. There was always an excuse as long as I tied it back to, quote, being healthy. But here's the thing. After you see results week after week, month after month, doing the same thing, at one point, it stops. Because either your body is on the brink of exhaustion, starvation, or it's plateauing because it's used to being so malnourished. And the hardest part mentally is understanding that. And that's when the frustration kicks in. Why isn't this working? I've been doing this for so long. Do I need to be more strict with my diet? And so you do. You cut out more. You drink less water. So the scale weighs the exact amount and not the extra water weight. Oh, I knew it all. You start to run even more. Longer distances. The pain means you're doing something right because you deserve to feel that way. Terrible mindset and way to live, right? Imagine that cycle in your head for eight years. It's mentally and physically destructive. It took years to unlearn all the mentally and physically harmful methods I was doing to myself. Years to realize why I should love my body, love who I am, and accept myself wholeheartedly. I remember reading a verse in the Bible, 1 Corinthians 6, 19-20. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? 
You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. And then I remember thinking, God created me as a masterpiece. It would really break his heart to see how much I'm trying to destroy his creation by going to the limits of saying that his work isn't good enough. And that thought made me cry. It took time and lots of relapses, but my relationship with God brought me through this hardship. I had fought so hard to find alternative solutions to solve why I was never good enough for myself and realizing that it was never my opinion that mattered. It was God's. And when you understand that type of unconditional love, everything changes. You feel whole again. You start to see the pieces you thought were lacking in you because of one stupid comment from a high school boy or because you created this narrative in your mind that you could only choose one thing, business or boys, or because you believed you could never be worthy unless you had control and looked a certain way to your liking. Months after, I started feeling so ashamed and embarrassed that I even struggled with this because So many successful people I followed and looked up to never dealt with an eating disorder. I masked it because, again, the perfectionist in me took another turn. Instead of letting go of that insecurity, I created another one out of that insecurity. That took time to overcome, too. And once I first shared that story to the world... There were so many others that resonated with those same feelings, those same thoughts, and those same struggles. And instead of hearing words of sympathy, I saw how it was shaping people to want to overcome these thoughts and struggles too. It was impacting people, which hadn't crossed my mind when I originally shared it. Didn't you always want to help people, Grace? I thought. And that made me realize just how powerful it is to tell your story. To truly open up and be vulnerable and raw with some of the deepest and darkest parts of you. The ones that you were able to overcome because you are worth fighting for. When you're in that mindset of controlling what you eat and how you look, growth isn't really the thing you're focusing on. If anything... It's diminishing yourself less and less so that people can't see you anymore. You want control until you have nothing to control. There will come a time, for many, when you're faced with the decision of listening to the insecurity inside of you, telling you that you're not good enough, or that you can achieve a happier life if you look a certain way. And it's true, maybe you will be happier temporarily. Maybe it'll last for a good season or two. But it's what happens after. The reason why I'm so particular with building longevity in my social media agency is because I know what it feels like to chase the temporary satisfaction. I know what it's like to have that desire fulfilled quickly through shortcuts. But after you realize 
just how important it is to take the longer path, the one that makes you work 10 times harder, the one that makes you question everything about life. Then you get a taste of what it's like to build something for yourself and truly reap the benefits of that long-term success. I hope this encourages you to see the things you consider imperfections as a way to impact others. Share the story, even though it scares you and makes you hesitant because of how you'll be judged by others or how you'll come across to others. Just know that being vulnerable and sharing your story opens doors. Feel free to share with me your biggest imperfection via email at grace at gracefullymade.com or send me a DM on Instagram at bygracely. Be sure to follow along and subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you're listening on. Stay tuned and keep listening to the next episode where I cover another episode into the Walk and Talk series. You can submit your podcast topic you'd like to hear next on your walk or run. And as always, if you have any questions, feedback, or topic suggestions, please don't hesitate to reach out to me. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you.